And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Here we are once again for another edition of Weighing In. Welcome to all the new people coming and watching us for the first time. And thank you to all of the people who have been regulars watching our show. We bring you the world of MMA in a special way. We can be seen on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and a bunch of other podcasting platforms. I got my man, Josh. The real punk Thompson. Plus, on the controls, we've got Podcast Dave. And you can actually get one of the t-shirts that sponsors our show. We just had a contest in that contest. I don't want to say who who won, but the best guy won. And I know that's crushing another person. And I'm sorry that you're hurting. But we get to pick off of that. We get to pick. We're going to pick two. You want to pick one for the blue also? It was very close. It was close. I only lost by one. I'm actually pretty upset that you guys called me down here at 5 a.m. to announce that I lost. I'm pretty pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Especially, I just lost a split decision basically by one shirt <laughs> at 5 a.m. Uh, I can see why people get mad at the rest of the judges. Loss, dude. This is bad judging. <laughs> Did you bad? It was totally bad judging. That was it, man. You got robbed. Oh, man. I actually I was actually going to call Dave yesterday and say, hey, how many am I down by? I'm going to go online and buy whatever I need to win. <laughs> I was going to buy all my own. Oh, geez. I was just I was af- I was afraid that it was going to be like 10 shirts. I was like, oh, shit, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's pick uh, let's pick a winner. All right. I have picked my winner for the red team. Thank you for everyone that bought a shirt doesn't matter if it was for me or josh i do appreciate that you guys are interested in what we do but diane and i i'm gonna screw this up i think it's langelier diane langelier you are the winner in the red side we will be sending you an autograph shirt and since we do appreciate you guys so much i'm gonna pick a winner as well from the blue side and i'm gonna pick tyler wilburn so thank you guys for uh picking up shirts we truly appreciate it awesome there's a you guys bought a ton of shirts some people even bought two tyler being one of them he bought red and blue so he played the odds there you go tyler you're a winner very nicely done so uh (laughs) wanted to let you guys know we do appreciate you guys thank you so much was tyler stacking the deck that way he could say dude i was on the winning side yeah maybe maybe he was but or he kind of liked that or he kind of liked both shirts i kind of appreciate that all right so um but yeah we're gonna get a a shirt signed over since he bought both of those maybe we should get him a shirt he hasn't bought yet and sign him one get him sign (laughs) one of those i'll email them and get all all that information yeah or get him a neutral color it's the same shirt or neutral color you know uh but yeah awesome all right well uh that was cool. I like that. That was a good little contest. I'm sad that I came down here at 5 a.m. to be told I lost, but, but it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's easy for you. It's what, 8 o'clock at home for you? 8 a.m. where you're it at? It is, dude. I am <laughs> wide awake, man. I've been up for hours. This oh, is great. Geez. Yeah, this if it was guy. my time, I would have been asleep at 5 in the morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been asleep, too, at 2 in the morning. <laughs> so, um. Good stuff, man. Well, let's talk about a, let's talk a little news real quick, and then we'll get into the Q and A. But let's talk uh, what we're going to talk first. Let's talk. Uh, I think we talk DC. The retirement, yes, of Daniel Cormier. You know what? I, I, I there's certain ways you can look at this, and I know a lot of people saying, you know, 
and Dana saying that he thinks he can fight on, and he could because he just lost to the very best guy there was in, in his weight class where he's fighting. So, and he didn't lose by much. It was a one round you know, difference, but there comes a point where everyone has got to, you got to look and say exactly what DC said. Mm-hmm. Every fight that he goes into now, he's a little bit less. Yeah. He's not quite as good. And that's when he's training hard for that fight. And the guys that he's going to be fighting, they're all getting better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we always talk about it, you know, the, where those roads meet because DC's coming down and that fighter's coming up. And do they meet when they're actually crossed over there? And so it's the right decision. He is a class athlete throughout, you know, not only his MMA career, throughout his entire athletic career, especially in, you know, with wrestling. I'm not talking about his high school football. I don't know anything about that. But throughout his wrestling career, throughout his MMA career, you take a look at the way he has comported himself. You know, that guy was in the USADA program for, it had to be 20 years. That's what he said, yeah. You know, and not once. Did he ever fail a test? You know, you look and you go, man, what a class athlete. What a great representative for the sport. And that's the best part is that will not end. He will still be a fantastic representative for the sport of MMA. So congratulations on an incredible career, Daniel. You are a champion through and through. That will never change. Whenever anyone thinks about you as a fighter, they're going to say that dude was a double champ. He was a class competitor. He always came and gave everything he had. You can't ask for anything more. Enjoy your retirement. Yeah, to talk about his career, I mean, I want people to I'll give you guys some stories. Like, he literally walked into the gym right off the wrestling mat and was just got right to work. Just hit, he started working with Kane nonstop, took some of the biggest, uh, some of the biggest beatings i guess you could say <laughs> yeah well that's part of what happens unfortunately you know from kane and then like you know at the time you had paul bonatello mike kyle i mean andre Arlovsky came in a couple times i mean i saw him swear to you when he sparred with andre Arlovsky, who was who had just lost his title i think to tim sylvia it was like probably about maybe a year or two later anyways or a year later after he had lost i think to tim sylvia dc comes in i swear andre tried to like was punching his way in DC, he locked DC up with, you know, a, a body lock and DC's going backwards and, and, and Andre thought he was going to take him down. And I kid you not, he belly bellied to him with no oh. arms. He belly to belly soup, but with no <laughs> arms, he didn't even lock over over hooks. He threw Andre Lofsky with no arms. It was, it was probably, I mean, cause Andre just held on, but it was hilarious yeah. to see. And everything, he was like, watch this, watch that. He was like, he was talking about what he was going to do before he did it. And it was just the stories I have of him and the. In the, in the fight room, in the red room, in the old AKA, and then moving into the new AKA. There's so many I could tell you. And I'll give you another one with the Andre Arlovsky story, which is absolutely phenomenal. It's probably one of the best stories, I think, ever uh, when I tell people this. he It was him and Andre, and it was just the funniest thing that Andre pays for dinner. And... It was so funny. They paid for dinner. They were out with something like that. They were out at like a small little like hole in the wall restaurant and Andre pays for dinner and the girl comes back to bring the change. Well, the bill was $28 and Andre pays, you know, gives her a hundred dollar bill and was, you know, we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And, um, and little did Andre know that DC tells the waitress, go ahead, keep the change. (laughs) 
<laughs> so no kidding, Audrey had to ask that poor girl. The nice guy Daniel is for 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 his change. Audrey had to ask the girl for the change. No, 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 I need my change back. No, no, I need my oh, change. Oh, did he back. ask her for the change back? Yeah, he did. Oh no, no, no. no. So one of the sometimes funny, you got to eat it. <laughs> so and one of the funniest stories ever. But um, I mean, just fun, like just fun to be around. I mean, good-hearted fun, like none of this negativity and like he was always just a good energy type person to have in the in the room i gotta tell you he changed the dynamic of how that of how that training room was so always a pleasure to have him in there and as much as his career is like he was such a short period um of time for him and how good he was and so fast i mean when he got entered into that strike that strike force tournament he came in as an alternate because someone got hurt and that just right. catapulted his career into this whole new level of success and then when he went to the UFC and he went there as a heavyweight, he he just knew he knew that he wasn't going to fight at heavyweight very long because he just started plucking those guys off. I mean, he beat I mean, he beat Frank Mir, he beat uh, what's it called, uh, Roy Nelson. He beat a Roy bunch Nelson. of guys just in a row. And they said, "Look, we can't keep having you knock off our number one contenders. You have to fight Kane." And he's like, "I'm not fighting Kane." And at the time, it wouldn't have went well for him to fight Kane. I watched him spar all the time. We watched him wrestle. We watched him do all these things. He wouldn't have beat Kane. And now I can say these things now that he's done with MMA. He just he wouldn't have. And, and the other thing too is they had such a relationship, and DC knew that he's like, "I can make 205." He knew he could make 205. He was walking around, you know, no, I know during off season he was walking around a little heavier. But at the time, because he was younger, the weight wasn't he wasn't e as easy for him to put the weight on. And so he was probably walking around about 228, 220, you know, 230 at the most at the time. And so him cutting down to 205, sure, it sucked, but he could do it. Kane, uh, Kane just couldn't do it. Kane was probably walking around 245 and it was just too much of a cut. And Kane had no desire to do that. And he was better at, at heavyweight. And so he just knew that that wasn't going to go his way if they ever did fight. And they didn't want to fight. And they were good training partners. And they were... They were phenomenal. They're still to this day, obviously phenomenal friends. Um, but I got to tell you, his career was so short, but so successful. And I actually sent him a text right after his fight and him and I worked uh, back and forth. And I just said, I got to tell you, man, I admire everything you've done. And I truly uh, was a privilege to watch you come up from the day you walked into the gym to this, this last fight. I know that we weren't there. Normally I would try to go to watch, you know, try to go watch all of his fights, you know, with a group of us as friends um, or I fought on the same card as him, you know, and it, it was sad that we couldn't go this fight knowing that it was his last fight. But I think it's I think it's OK. I think it's OK. And I think he's very comfortable with where his career is. I think he's very comfortable with where he's going to be going. And I want to want to remind you guys. It's not like he's gone. Like, see, for most fighters, no. when we retire, right, when most fighters retire, you don't see them really ever again. You know, you very rarely will see them. But this guy, he's going to be blowing up our fucking TVs for the next 10 years, 15 years, maybe even longer. I'll bet you anything that ESPN and all these other companies use him to cover sports when it comes down to wrestling in the Olympics. I think comes, in the I, you watch, he's yes. going to end up being an announcer for the Olympics. Yep. Just like Jeff Blatnick used to do covering wrestling. you got a guy that can talk. He's personable. He's funny. And he knows the sport. Yep. Come on. But this is what I'm going to say. Like he, when it comes down to it, he is going to bring another level of excitement to wrestling that people haven't, they don't, most announcers, when they talk wrestling, they talk, there's no, there's no, there's energy, but it's so, you can tell that they're, they're just strictly wrestling. DC has been all around the world as a fighter, as a wrestler, but just 
he just the way he interacts with kids, his his wrestling, uh, the the high school kids, the Gilroy has, he treats them all the same as if they were his own son. Like he's you wouldn't believe. Like he rides his son. He loves his son to death, but he rides him. Son, get up. What are you doing? Like you you got to turn that corner. Like he's on him. But you, I, I've, I got. Yeah, but tell there's you, love behind it. There's too. so much love behind it. You know, he pats him on the head, gives him a hug, kisses him. Like he, he takes care. Like he loves his his kids. And um, I gotta tell you, we're not gonna see the last of him. If you guys, you got, this is it. This is not it. This is. The, I gotta tell you, his his career as an analyst uh, will probably, I think, be better than his career as a fighter. Now, definitely, gotta, they're definitely different. Obviously, way yeah. different. But he's I, gonna have a much longer career as an analyst. Yes, because you gotta figure. What, what was DC? Thirty years old when he basically started fighting. Yeah, He's very similar know. to Randy Couture. Yeah, Randy was thirty-three, I think, at his first fight. And you know, DC was fighting for the world title five years later. You know, yeah. he'd, he had he had won the the Strike Force Grand Prix, but I think he was fighting Jones somewhere around 35, 36 years of age, which is That's you know, you're starting fault. to get That's to that point. point. Yeah, you're starting to have that problem. Uh, you know, Jones was probably what twenty-seven, twenty-eight yeah. at the time, right entering and, his peak. Oh yeah, and so you look and you go. He he had about a yeah, little a ten year spurt in MMA. Man, he accomplished a ton. And like I said, he you did it the right way. You always did it with class. You know, you had your little skirmish with uh, Jones, which was which brought actually brought an incredible amount of eyes to the sport. Yep. People got excited by it. You did everything right, Daniel. Congratulations and thank you very much. I enjoyed every moment of it. Thank God I was able to actually be a part of some of those fights. I did know that. I did know that. Yes. Very good. Um, yes, congratulations, DC, on your career. And uh, I'll be seeing you around. <laughs> see you. You'll be blowing on my TV and I'll be like, gosh. He man, still this- has my favorite moment. You know, you get you got those uh, Howard Cosell had that moment when George, George Foreman fought Joe Frazier back mm-hmm. in Kingston, Jamaica. And uh you know, when he was knocking Joe all over the place and, uh, you know, down goes Frazier, down yeah. goes Frazier. Well, yeah, that's, a, that's a classic moment. Yeah. You know, I, I still say that thing, you know, whenever a referee falls down, you know, I go, you know, down goes Herzog. It's yeah. not Jason, but you know, <laughs> I said that with Dan Mergliata in, yeah, in, in Ireland. You know, the same thing is he had that moment. I, and I wasn't able to hear it until after the you know the whole thing but when thug rose beat Ioana, mm-hmm. and because you know as as, an, as a color commentator you're not supposed to talk yeah and he was pretty new to doing stuff and you know you had you know they were over there and they're talking and doing their thing you know goldberg and, and rogan and and cormier with his thug rose yeah thug rose and he just kept repeating it but it was the greatest yep thing ever and that will go down forever as one of the greatest just commentaries of an incredible moment in the sport he's got it with that simple thug rose yep exactly he was awesome won't be forgotten nope all right um well let's talk we'll talk we'll talk a little rumors uh the rumors i guess apparently is bellator is interested in having fedor milianenko fight brock lesnar Obviously, Fedor's on his uh, on his tour. He's basically like a retirement last tour. Legs. His last legs, his retirement You're tour. 
there, there's talk about him fighting Brock Lesnar because there's you know they've been talking they've wanted that fight for the longest time. Um, there's also talk I think of him and Matt Mitrione doing it again because they had such an epic uh, first fight in New York when they both double knocked each other down and Matt beat him back up to the feet. But um, realistically, I mean, I, I don't know how many more he's. I think there's I think they're only scheduled to probably do maybe one or two more yeah. for the two of them. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I just you don't know. I know. <laughs> Here, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to see that, it. First off, that was a fight that Dana White was trying to put together forever. And uh, I understand why. And he actually thought he had it at a certain point and then you know, it fell apart. But at a certain point, that would have been a great fight. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. No. You know, it's, it's Brock's, you know, what's Brock, 43 years of age? Fedor is going to be, what, 44 years of age? And I'm usually the guy that says, you know, older guys. It's okay if you put them together, and and it would be okay, but it's not going to be the fight that would have been, because they're both you know lesser of what they are, and I just don't see that happening just based upon cost. If you're Bellator and you're looking at it, you're saying, hey, we can put this fight on. Sure, you could put it on, and it's going to cost you a ton of money, and you don't have anybody in the in the, in the arena arena, and you're not selling pay per view. It's like no. No, it doesn't make sense. It's a nice, you know, oh, this could happen. It's not going to happen. No. I don't see it happening. And then I also see, you know, John Jones is trying to, you know, build up a possible match with Brock and don't blame him for that. You know, don't blame John at all. I understand why he's uh, trying to push that. There's a money aspect involved with that. That's always a good thing with fans. Yes, with fans. You can't do it. <laughs> Without the fans, you know, you could do it more in the UFC if you had with the pay-per-view. It could be possible, but still, the UFC has to pay Brock so much money, and they're going to have to pay John so much money that it becomes like, why are we doing this? This is not the time. Mm -hmm. And timing is everything with fights, and right now with no fans in the seats, it's just not the right time for any of those fights. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I just... You and I were talking off air that I don't. I don't think Fedor wins that fight either. I think Brock pushes him around. Yeah. I think if Brock does touch his chin, it could be over. It's just like you said. It's not the fight that I want to see. And the other thing as well, Bellator lately has been doing a better job of not putting together these type of fights. And I think the old guys. Yeah, I mean, look, the I don't senior I'm, tour. I'm okay with. I'm okay with a couple of the the older guy fights. I'm okay with it. You know, but I'm also, but I'm not, I'm not, I kind of, this one though, I'm not okay with it. Like when we did, when we did uh Hoist and Ken, I really wasn't okay with that one. It just was like, <laughs> I, I like both. I like, I like both of them. The history is there, but there was just no reason to do it. But I want to remind people that it was also once Coker had first taken over and it was like, let's get some more eyes on here. Let's use some old classic names. Let's put Shamrock versus Gracie. You know, I mean, there was a lot of, well, there was, they caught a lot well, of it worked for it. it. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot of attention and not all of it was good, obviously. But it was, but look, I mean, I get it. I understood when he had first taken over what he was trying to do. But I feel like now, if you look at our last show with our prelims, we have a ton of, ton of talent, young talent that is just untapped and is just ready to fight. And they had some fucking amazing fights. I, I, like I said, those prelim fights from the last Bellator show were absolutely some of the best fights I've ever seen, period. Some of those kids, those young kids took some huge shots. And they walked right through them like that flying knee 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, John man. De Jesus. De Jesus hit him with a flying knee, and he ended up spinning off. And just, I can't pronounce the other guy's last name. Parvchenko. Parvchenko. Yeah. So then it was just a. It was phenomenal, man. Phenomenal fight. There was other fights that were on that on that card as well. If you watch Sydney Outlaw and Out of Piccolotti, God, what a fight that was! That was a great. If you're into it the, it was like, a great fight. It was a great fight. It was just two ferrets scrambling around on the ground, jockeying <laughs> for position, and I couldn't have said it any better when I was trying to break down the fight beforehand. I said that's exactly what it's going to be like. One thing Adam does very well is scramble, and and Sydney Outlaw does very well is wrestle and, and keep top position. And they had a great little uh, battle. It was like watching a really good fight to win or a really good jiu-jitsu match. Amazing. Um, overall, though, um, this type of fight, I'm not really interested in. I think I, I agree with you. It's 100% a waste of money. Um, if you want to put on people that we already have like on our roster, you want to put them against Matt Mitrione. If you want to put them against Roy Nelson, if you want to put them against you know, somebody else, I would like to see someone maybe take a step up in competition and maybe fight him. You know, if you had like a Lyoto Machida, yeah, I'm not saying that that would be. I'm just, I'm just simply saying, like, if you take someone who's a 205 pounder, because he's not a big guy, and now that he's no. older, he's gotten he's, smaller. He's even smaller. He's even smaller. Yep. You know, he's probably walking around 218. Yeah, two, maybe two, maybe 220 something. Yeah, 220. He's, he's it's, but yeah, he was always walking around 232, 230, 228, 232, somewhere in there. Now that he's older, I mean, the muscle that's underneath the layer of whatever you want to call the. <laughs> You know, you have worked your entire life to have a body like him. Yes, yeah, the you dad know bods. You have the dad bods work in dad this sport, bod by is the way. Fucking on point. Look, I mean, it's the time has passed, and I and I love to watch him fight, but I also I don't want to see him get injured, and I want to see him get hurt. He's an extremely no. nice guy, man. I don't know if any oh, if you guys so nice fans, if you ever get an opportunity to meet him, he's very just a uh, very stoic, but it's just he's very quiet and nice and he is until he gets to know you and yeah. then he is a huge practical joker he yeah. likes to have fun he's a great guy yeah. he's just just as it's it's like the opposite of not not opposite but you've got dc from the ufc fedor so classy yeah so nice and, and created a career and this is where i you know i look at the difference you had to have guys like you know chael sonnen came up with a shtick of you know, he could talk you know conor mcgregor took that and and went with it and created just an incredible persona that people were were just you know drawn to but fedor did the same thing with just his fighting mm -hmm. and being a stoic person that never once tell me the time you ever heard fedor say a bad thing about his opponent uh, i don't recall Never once. I don't recall. Never, never put down his opponent. Never said a bad thing about his opponent. Only gave respect. Walked out. Never was mouthy. You know, put his hand up in the air at the announcement, and then usually at the end when he was winning, put his hand up in <laughs> again, and that was it. You know, and you look at the career that he's had. He's he's been incredible. Yeah, you know, just, 40, just classy and an individual as you will find. Thirty nine and six, and obviously a lot of those losses are at the end of his career. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, well, but, the one, the one at the beginning, because he should have been thirty-two and zero. Let's yeah. just be straight out honest, because his first loss was to TK. Yeah, it, took, it was Kosaka. like in his fifth. It was like in his fifth fight, and it was in a tournament. And Kosaka hit him with an elbow, and elbows were not allowed, and it cut him. And they stopped the fight based upon the cut. Right then, it was only like eighteen twenty seconds long, and because it was a tournament, they had to have someone go forward, and he was cut. They said. You lose. 
TK, yeah. TK the win, and TK went on in the tournament. You look, you go, that's not a loss. He didn't yeah. lose. So, you know, you look at Khabib's record of 28-0. Fedor, if you get rid of that bullshit loss against TK, who he later fought and beat, mm-hmm. you know, 30, he would have been like 31 or 32-0. and 0 Go down, Dave. At a certain point. He had a no contest against Noguera. Yeah, that was a cut also. Oh, gotcha. Headbutt. That gotcha. was a headbutt. They clashed heads, and he got a, a giant uh, half moon. Yeah, that was. His, uh, I think that forehead. was the one that I originally saw. I was getting that confused with the TK one because I, I think I saw the the headbutt one. I was like, yeah, that one was in Japan that? too. But they they were they were at that point he was a big enough star. They okay, we've got a no contest, which was the right call. Yes. Yeah. Same as the TK would have been. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's sad though is that it's no different like when you look at old football teams or old players in basketball or in any other sport how quickly the newer generation forgets how good those younger gen- the, the other generations oh, were yeah like i i mean like i was i almost want to get in an argument the other day with someone on twitter about how it was kyle crutchmere he posted something about lebron james being the best player ever i said get the fuck oh out god of here. Please. michael jordan is leaps and bounds above that guy it's not even fucking close like Michael Jordan never, I know he had Pippen, he had some other guys, but he never had, he never, outside of them getting Dennis Rodman, because they already had Scottie Pippen, but he didn't have to go to another team and make that, and and join other players to get his championships. (laughs) He built his own championships, and he stayed where he was, and did everything he wanted to do, and he won all the championships where he was at. Yeah, it just, people forget how good Fedor was, and who he fought during those times. Remember when he fought those guys? He fought him during his prime, you know, and did their their prime as well, you know. So when he was went, when he was beating all those guys in pride, all those guys were 27, 28, 30, 31. Like, yeah, he was smashing no those At guys. a certain point, Noguera was considered the best heavyweight in the world, you know, and he took the title from Noguera and then beat him again later on. When Mirko Krokop, you know, Mur- Mirko came into MMA, and it was weird because it was in Pride, and he had his fight with Vanderlei Silva, and it was you know there were special rules as far as not being able to go to the ground for so long and things like that. But then Mirko ended up you know becoming this really good MMA fighter, and he was killing everybody. Mm-hmm. That was when the whole thing of right kick, you know, hospital left kick cemetery. Mm-hmm. He was starching everybody at that point, and that was the huge fight was Fedor and. Mirko and I remember at that time I thought Mirko was going to win, and Fedor just systematically wrote the blueprint on how to beat Mirko Krokop at that time, and just put on a performance. You look and you go, man, that dude's so good. Yeah, all he so did was good. he stayed inside that pocket where he couldn't get the kickoff, you know, and that, made him move backwards. Yep. So and there was not much room in in that. People don't understand the pride ring was not it was not that big. It seemed big. But it just there was no there was nowhere to go, and also too when you hit those cables, corners, corners. You, yeah, when you hit those cables though, the ropes yep. which were just rubberized, tight. tight, tight cables. It was like a garden hose over a cable. Yeah, and when you hit it, they were pulled so tight that it wouldn't move. There was no flex in those in those ropes at all. It wasn't like the WWE, Dave. Okay, where <laughs> actually th- there was no give, and they were really hard, and so it was just yeah. rubberized over the cable, and you could actually see the cable through the rubber. And there was no flex in them. Um, it, it, they hurt almost. Like they hurt like you hit, and it was like they you grip, and it yeah, it hurt. So <clears throat> there was nowhere to go, and so he stuffed he stuffed everything that a lot of those guys did to him, 
and he found ways to beat him. He was just phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Anyways, we going off on a tangent on how good he was, but yeah. I'm I'm not interested in that in that fight either. But if they do it, no. I get it. But it just it's I understand no. they're trying. I don't to, think they'll do it. I don't think I they think will. The media, the media is going to Scott Coker and saying, "Hey, you know Brock Lesnar is a free agent now. Is that a fight? You know him, you know Fedor. Of course, Scott Coker is going to go. Yeah, we'd be interested." Yeah, it doesn't mean that when you know when he looks at the financials of how to put that together, he's going to go, "Oh, screw that." Yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't see it happen. I thought that Dana had a longer contract with uh, Brock though, because he had fought at UFC 200. I think it was the last time he fought, correct? Yeah, and but he it was a, a single. It was a single fight, but didn't he have a couple fight. fights with when? Yeah, I thought when they signed him, they signed him for multiple fights. You know, one or like two or three more fights. Yeah, God, I couldn't tell you. Don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what will happen. But I like I agree with. I think that it's not going to happen. I just but think you, it's too much money. You really do have to give Brock Lesnar credit. Look at what he brings as far as interest for a guy that had you know very few fights actually in the UFC. You know, and near the end again, it's once someone shows how to beat somebody, and you put a guy in there that has the skill level that can you know, accomplish those things. Brock was having problems. Yeah. You know, yeah. His last fight against Mark hunt, but Mark was not a guy that could stop wrestling. He mm. was the striker. And that was why that fight was kind of put together. Well, it's going to be either the striker winning or the wrestler winning, mm. you know, and Brock was able to take him off of his feet, but you know, you're looking, you know, it's a, uh, he's, he's a special athlete in the fact that he creates an interest wherever he goes. Yeah. You got to you got to look at Brock and go, man. Way to go, dude! You have just been phenomenal in everything that he has done, be it the WWE or going to the UFC or any of that stuff. You know, every time that he's out of that contract, the media starts buzzing about where's Brock Lesnar going to go. So, pretty neat. Yeah, big guys, man. They always get the love. Us little guys never <laughs> get that love. It's horrible. Horrible. Not even as good as us. It's just ridiculous. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so, let's talk. So hold. So hold, hold, hold. So if you were gonna fight him, yeah, because he's not as as good as a lightweight. Size right? though. Size. So. What is that? What is? You sound like Podcast Dave now. What was that? Jeez. That's not even English. Guys are always. I love you because you're. I'm gonna tell you right. Skill wise, the lighter weight guys, dude, they're they have it because and because they do everything and they do it well. Mm-hmm. But size is a bitch, ain't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Dave, you want to do some fan questions, buddy? Let's do it. Let's go. Hey, open up your eyes, okay? You look a little. It's freaking five o'clock in the morning, bro. Five o'clock coffee. in the morning. It's you know what's fun. We got to get a camera on your face. So people can see you falling asleep when <laughs> John and I are talking. Do it the nod you, off. If you guys could see what I can see, you guys would understand why I give him such a hard time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that may be in here actually. I think somebody asked why you give me such a hard time. I didn't understand a fucking word. He just it's all about said. love. That's why. Okay. What you got there for me, buddy? Uh, I've got one from Logan Thorson. He asks a question for Big John and Josh: Would Amanda Nunes or Valentina Shevchenko stand a chance against lower tier male UFC fighters? Joe Rogan a while back said he thought Nunes could beat uh, male UFC competition. Thanks for the fantastic no. podcast. Sorry, no. You know, and I hate when people try to make that comparison because it takes away from how special Amanda Nunes is. 
you know, when you're talking about could Amanda, could Amanda Nunez beat a man in a fight? Absolutely. She will tear apart guys that think they're street fighters and shit like that. She will eat a lot of people up. But you start to take a man that is trained and is very good at what they do, because if you're going to be in the UFC, you've got to be good. You've got to be at a certain level. You know, you just don't understand the difference in the strength levels of, you know, let me, let me try to make it as a clear way. When you're talking about moving something, you can push against something and, and you go to push and move it and it doesn't move. But if you put five more pounds of pressure, it'll move. Well, that's the difference that you're going to have here, but it's going to be a lot more than just five pounds. Amanda would would work against you know someone, and the punching power that she has would not translate to when she fights a man. It's not going to translate over to the same. So punches that hurt opponents right now and stun them and cause damage, she's going to have a fighter that uh, that's a man. He's going to walk through those, and as he's walking through those, he's going to be laying shots on her that are going to hurt her. You know, there's there's a there's a reason why we have women's sports. There's a reason why we separate careful, the two John. sexes. Careful, John. No, the, it's not, not <laughs> careful. careful. It, it is just what it is. It's because that's what's fair to do. Because women are phenomenal athletes, and they can do some things. You know, if you look at, you know, creating situations. Go back to the, you know the real first crossover was tennis with Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. And you look at that, and even back then, Bobby Riggs was, he wasn't a current professional tennis player. He was an old guy, all right? And Billie Jean King was a dominant woman tennis player at the time, but they still gave her the advantage of it wasn't even a normal tennis court for for her. She got to hit into what is considered the doubles area where he had the normal tennis court. They actually, you know, altered it and that's okay. I, I thought that's the right thing to do. And she beat him and that's great, but that's tennis. That, that is not fighting. And you take a look at, you know, if you, if you told me, could you take, take a man off the street and put them against, give them a, give them six months of training. Could Amanda Nunez beat him? Yes, she mm-hmm. could. Yeah, she could because her technical skill would dictate that she was able to figure out ways of hurting him and not allowing that guy to hurt her. But you start to say a a top flight fighter, a fighter that's fighting either currently in the UFC or a contracted fighter in one FC or Bellator or LFA even. No, sorry. There's a reason why we have men's divisions and women's divisions. Yeah. Dave Chappelle on his uh, sticks and stones comedy special. So I believe it was that one, and maybe it was a different one, but I think it was that one, his most current one. He said, well, <clears throat> it, why do we have the WNBA? If the women were able to compete with the men, we wouldn't ha- need a WNBA. We would just have the NBA. He's there like, and so what y'all could do is just shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's really <laughs> what he said. There's a reason, like you said, like let they need to have the spotlight. Let the women have the spotlight yes. in any sport, and they can't have that spotlight if they were mixed in with the guys. It would take away from the fact that they they wouldn't be able to. Like uh, what's her name, Brittany Grimer, uh, who was played for Baylor, I believe it was. 
she was one of the first, like you know, one of the ones to be able to dunk in in, in college, yeah. and then now plays in the well, that was Les- Look, that was Leslie. Well, Brit- no, no, I'm not saying Brittany Griner though was also she was also able to as well. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, they got She's to. <clears throat> they excuse me. She gets to the WNBA and she's play, you know, she plays really well and she's pretty dominant. But you know, it's like to put her in the NBA, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't even be. It, you could just tell by the way they go up and down the court, about how she goes up and down the court, how she handles herself under the basket. She would get pushed around. It just, oh, she'd get beat up. She'd get beat up, banged up, pushed around, and it wouldn't. They wouldn't even call it a foul because that's just how the guys. That's how the guys handle the the pushing and the shoving in in the in the NBA. So. No, I don't think it's fair to, like you said, to make these comparisons because you're really taken no. away from the fact that how good Amanda is, or girls like yes. Cyborg, or or any other top female athlete, you know, of uh, Shevchenko. But can they beat up like the person off the bar stool? Absolutely, oh, yes. absolutely. Can they beat somebody up who's only trained for six months? Absolutely. Yes. I would say maybe even like a year or two. These guys, I, you're pushing it Dep- probably depend- around the depending yeah. upon their athleticism exactly. and who they are. Yeah, exactly. Had they ever wrestled before? Had they ever not? Yes. If you took someone that never did anything and you let them train for a year, I think Amanda and Cyborg and, and Shevchenko put them in the same size, same weight class. I think they beat them. Even a year or a year and a half of training, I think they still beat them. They, I've, I've done some grappling a little bit with uh, Cyborg for a commercial that we did for Showtime back in the Strike Force days. Yeah, I thought she was gonna fucking murder me. I said, I said, we're <laughs> we're just we're just doing this for TV. You don't gotta go this hard. <laughs> I don't think she quite. I don't think she quite understood. But um, you know, a, a guy that you used to fight, that you had a fight with, KJ News. Mm-hmm. He he did a. He was sparring with Cyborg one time, and he talks about that. You know, he, he was just there, and she asked him to spar. And he says, "Yeah, sure." And he he goes, and I go in there. And he's you know, and he's talking to me about. It. He says, "John," he goes, "This is this is a girl. I can't hit her hard." Yeah. He goes, and so you know. You know, we start off, and he, he goes, and she is trying to oh, take yeah. my head off. He goes, she's hitting me, and I go, man, she, you know what? She's got a little bit of snap. He goes, and finally he gets to the point. He goes, I'm like, I, I gotta, I gotta give her a little bit of a snap yeah. here just to set her back and to back her off. He goes, and I hit her, and she like takes it, and looks at me, and then comes at me even harder. He goes, he says, it just turned into almost a fight. He goes, yeah. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to hit her real hard, but I had to keep her off of me, and. Then, you know that's how good they are yes you know, they are they are incredible athletes and i hope you know people understand i am not in any way i believe in women's mma i have fought for women's mma i think it's fantastic but i i think you start to diminish who they are by saying oh let's put them against a a man you know, a, a top fighter a, a person that's a, a quality fighter you're starting to diminish who they are and yeah. what they do because there is a genetic difference between men and women when it comes to strength, when it comes to certain things that the fighter as, you know, Amanda Nunez or Chris Cyborg or any of them, they can't do anything to alter that. Yeah. You know, that's just not going to be you know, fair. I just don't think it's fair. And I don't want to see it. Yeah, I don't want to see it either. Yeah, the other thing too is it puts it honestly puts the man in a really bad position. You oh, know? you can't win. You can't win. So like, I don't know which but guy there, would want to well, take there that have, fight. There have been instances where you know men and women have fought. Yeah, and, uh, and Jermaine Duranami fought someone. It's on YouTube now where she knocked him out. Yeah, but you know you take a look at the level of who that guy was. Yeah, you know, and so and that's uh, you look and you go, 
it's always good if the man wins. I mean, if the woman wins, it's always bad and looks bad. And you can't, you can't make anything good of it. If a man is now beating up a woman, Mm -hmm. be it in a combative sports setting or not, it just doesn't look good. No, it's bad, bad, bad bad fighter optics. (laughs) Yes. Bad optics. Next question. All right. The next one. Wake up, Dave. Wake up. I'm awake. I'm awake. Emil, Emil Duo Duo asks, uh, this curious for Josh and John. Do you think you uh, do you think you said as the right choice for the UFC, or should they consider something like Vada? Love the show. Been here since day one. That's probably more your department. I really don't. I don't really know, man. <laughs> I feel. I feel like California's testing has gotten a lot better. I mean, it's probably not. It's definitely not on USADA's level, but I feel like with this whole what's been going on, I, I feel like. California is really up their game. I'm sure Nevada now is doing, or California is doing what Nevada's doing, or Nevada's doing what California. I don't really know those type of things, but it seems like their testing has gotten a lot better. The other thing as well is that towards the end of my career, like uh, right when Strike Force was bought, probably about 2010, 2011, 2012, California, because I always fought in California pretty much all the time, they started like basically just testing you. As soon as your contract was signed, they would they would come they'd and test sneak you. Sneak in there. They'd sneak one in, like, "Hey, you need to show up at this lab corp tomorrow morning at this time to get your 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 blood done or your." your as drug long test. as they had you under you you had a current license, yeah, they could do that. So if you were fighting, you know, once a year, they've got you in that year because that license is good for a year. So if you are a licensed fighter in the state, they can come and test you at any time. So yep. if you sign a contract for a fight, you sign a new contract with the promotion, they can always say, hey, we're going to be here. Show up at this time. Yeah. and Because they set the day. schedule. They, they they had texted me a couple times or had sent me an email or whatever. It normally came through like uh, the promotion. So Rich Chow or someone would call and then my manager would call me and say, hey, he's got to be at this testing site at four o'clock today. It was like noon. You got to be there at four. And it was always spontaneous. Four yep. o'clock today. At this lab court on this street, and you need to go there and be there at four. If you miss it, you're suspended. And that was it. And like it's very and and that I think that helps. So when people say like, oh yeah, you're you're you know like you're not under the USADA testing program. Yeah, but California has also been a little tricky. They're, they've been trying to catch people, and they're doing things like that that make a big difference. And I gotta I gotta tip my hat to Andy Foster because that kind of helped. Like even when Strike Force was around, that was kind of like changing the dynamic because a lot of guys got busted during that time when they yep. started doing that. And uh, I do remember one of the first times, I don't know who I was fighting, but they had came like I had signed a contract six weeks out or seven weeks out to fight. I can't remember who it was. And I got and then I got a call like two weeks later. Hey, you got to show up at this at 8 a.m. tomorrow. It was like eight o'clock at night. You got to show up at 8 a.m. tomorrow at this lab corp right down the street from your house. You know, and you have to do this test. If you don't do it, your fight's off and you're suspended for the year. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, that just was very eye-opening. I was like, well, this is cool. I mean, like for me, I was like, okay, this is great or whatever. But it was it was like, oh, they're being sneaky. Yeah, they're oh, trying not only to. See, here, you can take a look at it this way. You talk about sneaky the way sometimes they'll do things. Mirko Krokop. Talked about him before. Let's talk about him again. He ends up signing with Bellator. And uh, he's going to have a fight. Well, they tell him where the fight's going to be, and it's going to be at the Mohegan Sun uh, in Connecticut. And so the Mohegan Sun sends him a, you know, a licensing thing. He sends it back. They approve him. They license him. Well, the fight's not for, I want to say it was not for a good 12 weeks or so. Oh, wow. 
but he's licensed. And so the Mike Mazzulli is over in Italy doing fights and he travels to Croatia, contacts Mirko and says, you need to pee for me and stuff and without him knowing and stuff. So, you know, that they'll be, he's a licensed wow. athlete with him. He's licensed for that year. I can test you. I'm going to test you to see, you know, if I can catch anything, that, that's what they'll do. That's good. You know, so I think it's phenomenal. It, I hope I it's wish it's the way it's supposed to be. I think they should do that more. I think California should. I I think California should do it more as well. I know it's expensive. From what I understood, it was expensive for drug testing. But I think they should do it more. I think there should be, and I think they should be more vocal about the fact that they do it. Because I think what it does, I think once you get that out there, that that's what California does or what Nevada does, it keeps the honest fighters honest. It's no different than like you have your front door, you have locks on your front door or on your car. All you're doing is keeping the honest people honest. Burglars are going to still try to get in. They're going to still find their way in there, okay? People that are thieves, they're going to find a way to steal something. You're just keeping yep. the honest person honest. When they walk past your vehicle and they see the cars unlocked, all of a sudden they feel tempted. Even if they're honest, they still feel tempted for a split second. But if it's locked, they look at it and they go, nah, it's good. I'm not going to, why make a scene? Why do this with too much effort and too much work? And they keep walking. It's no different than I think the drug testing. If California was more vocal about that, like, hey, as soon as you have a license in this and they made it very, and they made it more like, hey, as soon as you have a license, we will test you at any time once you're you're licensed in this state. I think you're going right. to start seeing a lot more fighters become uh, honest, you know, and they, they won't be tempted at that, you know, especially as they get older to, 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 to cheat, you know? So I think, uh, I, I would like to see more of that. I think it's good for the sport. Well, let me, let me, let me go back to the question. The question was, should the UFC use Bada instead of USADA? Oh, Isn't that right, Dave? That's right. So we went okay. way off. <laughs> it's okay, but that's okay. You know, let, let, let's go to that. Here's where I would think that Bada in, in a certain form is better than USADA for a company like the UFC. And the reason I would say that is this. USADA has their set standard that they test everybody off of. And they take all sports, no matter what sport it is, and they clump them together into that. And you can you cannot take this. You can take this. With VADA, you could actually create a program completely augmented towards the specific sport of MMA. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you, you can look at certain things like, you know, I, I get into marijuana. Okay. I, I've never smoked marijuana in my life. Not once. Even though a lot of our listeners supposedly think that I'm high. Four, so. It's 4am sometimes when we're filming. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do believe that marijuana has a bad rap. I think it's gotten that over time. And I do believe it has its place among, you know, things for therapeutics for for any kind of athlete, any kind of person, depending upon certain things that you have. Now, I think the abuse of any drug, no matter what it is, aspirin is wrong. Don't abuse drugs. But I do think that marijuana in the world of combative sports, be it boxing, MMA, things like football and hockey, there's things as far as inflammation and different things that I think marijuana can actually help yeah. the athlete. And so you have to look at those and say, hey, let's let's take those those standards that are really tight and, you know, only allow the, the, the athlete to have this many, you know, nano nanograms or whatever you're going to say or picograms if you're, it's into picograms now. So let's take that and let's put it in a place where it shows that, yes, 
the athlete, the fighter is taking that marijuana, but they're not abusing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Vada in that form would be better for the UFC. But, you know, USADA, you know, although nothing's perfect, and I'm not going to say that USADA has been perfect. There's been times I've thought they're dead wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they're going by they're they're going by what I call black and white. They're going by the letter of the law, when the spirit of the law is what should be looked at. Being that w- was there was there ill intent by the athlete to actually try to cheat or try to get one over on you, or was this you know hey this is not someone that tried to cheat. This is a situation where you can see exactly what happened but they're still wanting to win. They're still like an attorney or a prosecuting attorney where, okay, I don't have you on this crime, but you know, I'll, I'll let you, you know, uh, sign off on a lesser crime just so I can say that, yes, I got a conviction. That's the part where I've had a problem with USADA because there's times they need to say, Hey, the athlete did nothing wrong. There is no suspension. And so that's my feeling on it. I think VADA, has been an outstanding organization. I know who runs it. They're great people. They only have the best interests of the sports involved. And I think that you could take and manipulate the content of what people could take depending upon the sport. And I think it would be better overall. But I think when you have agencies like that, they're no different than the California State Athletic Commission or Las Vegas Athletic Commission. They don't want to admit their Las faults. Las Vegas Athletic Commission. Or whatever it is. I don't Nevada. Know. Nevada. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, basically, like, they don't want to admit their faults. And when they don't, they don't want to eat crow on something they did. And they also, too, when they do, then somebody later on down the line will say, well, you did it for this. You know, I've been through this personal experience to, to deal with California. Yeah. And um, it's, they, they just, you have people at the top that are like, no, if we say no, if we say it's okay because we bend on this one, they're going to start having to bend for everybody. And I think it's ridiculous when they've already had people that have tested positive for tainted supplements and they've shown that they were tainted supplements by buying from different various sources and it all comes yep. back tainted. And yet you're still making this person serve a year long suspension or 18 yeah. month long. It's, that, that's it's what, ridiculous. That's exactly what I was talking about. It's wrong. It's, you know, if yeah. you can verify i can buy that product off of the shelf at this gnc or i can buy that product off of the shelf here at you know costco yeah and it has that same element in that that athlete took and got caught for hey the athlete doesn't know man you know they're just trying to take something that's over the counter that they can buy that is going to help heal their body or supplement their body for training or for the fight they didn't do anything wrong yeah, and I'm a huge uh, proponent for someone who thinks that, that I believe that anything that helps get any of our athletes off of Vicodin, Oxycontins, oh. any of that shit, when you're talking about marijuana, I'm all on board. Okay, and, you know, I, it, I, how, can, I, I how, how can you say an opioid is better than yeah. <laughs> That natural substance. I just don't fucking get it. It just drives okay. me absolutely insane to think that like nope. this is what we're doing to all, the best athletes in the world. We're we're not allowing them to help themselves. Yeah, but uh, we'll pop, take opiates. You know, yeah, yeah. Go go get addicted within. And it only takes what they say like a couple, what three or four days to be addicted. Oh, yeah. If you're on, if you take, you know, you take it for three or four days, they're. Anyways, we can get into that whole conversation. Um, next question. Next one. <clears throat> uh, next question is from Johnny Tisbell. He says. 
Dave, what's it like being uh, taking all that trash talk from Josh every week, knowing, <laughs> knowing you could whip his ass at any moment if you wanted Woo! to? I think Dave just created a fake email and sent one in. <laughs> That's what he did. Well, let's hear it, Dave. Uh, what's it like? What's it like, Dave? Come I mean, on. I don't know if I call it trash talk, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'd call it, I don't know if I, I just don't know if you have that in you to do to. Just smash you? No, just smash the trash talk. Yeah, I've got it in me to smash you though. That's you, for sure. If you ever watched that Josh Thompson post-fight press conference, <laughs> you'll know that you actually probably didn't because you usually just skip through them and get to the fighter that's actually going to do some good, yeah. <laughs> have some good conversation. This so, guy. Yeah. Anyway. No, um, I'm a gentleman. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> when it comes to you though, I, I we have fun. We have like <laughs> Dave and I have built up a. a a long relationship of trash talk back and forth. It's actually been a pleasure having him around, you know, at times, at times. It's like out of hand. It's funny. Sometimes, you, sometimes you're hardest on the people that are closest to you. Yeah. Sometimes he's only about four or five feet away and I can still kick the shit out. <laughs> Love to. But no, he's absolutely phenomenal, man. Great person. All right. I got Gianna Ortiz asking, um, what should Justin do if he beats Khabib? Everyone is talking about Khabib and GSP and Khabib's 30th match. Uh, but I don't think Khabib will walk over Justin. It'll be, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the great podcast. Go ahead. I think he walks Khabib. over him. <laughs> I mean, even if he wasn't, like, honestly, it's just hard to say, man. He he has he has dominated everyone he has fought. He had a hard time with Gleason Tebow. Everyone talks about that. Uh, it was a, but I think I, for, everyone told me that he had did he well, lose a round in that fight. No, someone kept telling he's, me that he lost in that fight. He should have lost. Yo, yo, no, God, no. I didn't think so either. No, yeah, he lost. Uh, I'm trying to think of the first round that I could say. I know Connor. He lost a, a round. I think it was the third round. I would have said he lost. It was close. Though. Other than that, let's let's figure out. Uh, Wow, I mean, Michael Johnson, I did. He didn't lose anything. I, yeah, Michael Johnson, yeah. I Quinta Trujillo. He didn't lose any of those. I don't, I don't see. Him. Oh, didn't lose a round. I did that one. I cornered him for uh, Tiago uh, or Tiago Tavares. I cornered him for Abel Trujillo. I cornered him for Pat Healy, and I cornered him for Rafael dos Anjos. And then everybody yeah, else he didn't after lose that. Any of those? No, he didn't lose any rounds in those. I mean, he. I mean, Pat Healy's known for wrestling. Like you know, wrestling guys just grinding on people. Grinding on. He's a big guy. Walks. He's about six one. You know, walks around one ninety something. And he was ragged on. Pat around. Khabib was. I mean, all these guys. I thought there was never a round. I thought that Edson Barboza. He did hit that spinning back kick, but it hit with the calf and kind of like. But that would no, be the only. I mean, no, I'm just no. throwing. I'm, look, I'm being. I'm trying to like play the other side because <laughs> people are gonna just roast me like saying you're a homer and this and that. No, but, you're not a homer. I did that fight. That was my last fight I ever did in the UFC. And trust me, Edson was fighting for his life. Yeah, it was. You could just see, man. It was. He didn't lose. Khabib won every round easily and and several ten eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, Justin. Look, there's no doubt Justin has a chance, and and I've and I and I think people, I don't. I want people to understand. I'm a huge fan of Justin Gaethje. I think oh, yeah. he, I think he's phenomenal for the sport. Um, 
But I also look at guys that he has fought from before. Sure, he's. I feel like he's a different fighter since he fought uh, Luis Formigo. Uh, they called him Buscapi back in the day. Oh, yeah, the, in, yeah, but that, that was, was in the that World was his, Series of Fighting. That was his last fight in the World Series of Fighting before I think they switched names to uh, PFL. Um, uh, Jake, uh, what's it called? John Fitch was on that fight as well. I think he fought Jake Shields that night. I went to go corner him for that fight. This, oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> but that fight, it, he showed that he he had a hard time in that fight with some guy, and I think he, he was getting taken. He got, I believe, he got taken down. He was losing some of the exchanges. On oh, the he feet. got taken down in that fight. Yeah, and so to yeah. think that, don't get me wrong. His everyone talked about how good his wrestling is. Yes, he's got he's got a good wrestling. He's got a good pedigree for wrestling. He's got a good pedigree. So do a lot of guys, and it's different when you know you're trying to. Th- wrestling is is a different sport, and and it's like as soon as you set your feet to punch, you're out of wrestling position. Mm-hmm. So as soon as someone drops the level and that punch doesn't land, you are in a horrible position to defend that takedown now it doesn't mean that you're not good enough to do it against some guys that you know what their wrestling is as of your level or even maybe just a little bit better than your level but there's i I hate to tell you there's a there's a huge level difference between the wrestling that khabib does and the wrestling Mm -hmm. that justin does and justin has gotten away from his wrestling for years Mm -hmm. as far as he practices there's no doubt he does practice his wrestling for mma but what is most of his game plan when he goes into a fight? How many times have you seen Justin Gaethje shooting for a takedown? Even when he's in trouble, he doesn't shoot for a takedown. How many times have you seen Justin Gaethje shooting for a takedown? No, I can't recall, man. Okay, there you go. And that's the whole point is he doesn't, okay? Because he relies on what he likes, and that is to be that highlight reel of knocking people out, and I'm going to stand here and, Look, he is a tough dude, and and there is no human being in the world who is punch-proof. So could Justin Gaethje land a shot that knocks Khabib Nurmagomedov out? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No one's punch-proof. But the odds of landing that one punch are not very good. No. And so you're looking at odds-wise, where, do, where does this fight land? It lands in the same place that every fight that Khabib Nurmagomedov has ever been in and that is especially now everybody knows what he's going to do what makes him special is everybody knows what he's going to do and they can't stop it yeah and until someone does and it may be Justin it may be Justin that stops it but I just don't see that it's a matchup the way Justin fights and the way Khabib fights, you can sit there and think that Justin is uh, in a position where he would be a favorite in this fight or anything like that. He's definitely going to be the you know a guy that's at a disadvantage going into this fight. Yeah, Khabib will look in the very first round. Justin's got a very good chance until that first takedown, and then after that first takedown you have to understand the amount of weight and the amount of pressure that Khabib puts on you. When he does, when Justin does start the second round, he will not be the same fighter. Okay, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. See, because this is where people don't get it. Because until you have trained with or rolled with or sparred with an individual, it's just a – 
conceptually, you can say, well, I could do this, I could do that. You know, people ask me all the time, what was it like training with Hicks and Gracie? Different than anybody I had ever trained with in my entire life at that time or in the future. A guy that could pinpoint a pressure by making it like instead of this, you know, weight that's on top of you, drive his weight into where he felt like he was 500 pounds. Okay. You trained with Khabib. Mm -hmm. What's it like when he gets you down and you're trying to get up? So, like, when I train with him, I, I, I originally had started doing, like, where you gather the legs and figure four. If you go back and look at some of my earlier fights, I've been doing that for years. He just, there was nothing. And I figured out ways to get other people, not to John Fitz, try to do it to me. And I'd find ways to get away from it. Swick used to do it because he had long legs. He'd try to do it to me as well. I was, able, was always able to get out, you know, or at least wiggle your way around so you could get a, a knee up or something to try to hit a hook sweep. With Khabib, once he pinches his knees around yours and starts to lock that figure four, you're not fucking moving. You're not moving. And then then the other thing, even if you do, let's say you're slippery and you have, you're able to wiggle one leg out, he hangs on that leg and he hangs on your hip. So when you post on your hands, he reaches around the fat, the, the far side and he gets the Dagestani handcuffs. Like he starts driving his weight up over you putting your face back down on the mat. He starts keeping his chest and his hips over your back to push your, your body down. You try to stand up, he pushes your head down. You cannot get up if your head is down on the mat. And so he holds the head down and as you're trying to get up, he keeps his body over yours. So you're constantly lifting his body. And by the time you fight, even though you weighed in at 155, he's probably about 180, 178, 177. He likes to fight around that weight class because that's yeah. where he feels the best. And so you're carrying all that weight. And for all these people, I'm, this is not a homer. This is, I'm being 100% honest with you guys. I've seen him wrestle with guys that are three-time national champs. I've seen him wrestle with guys that are phenomenal, like number two, number three on the Olympic ladder, okay, for the U.S. And he's able to take them down. He's able to stuff their takedowns. He's able to wrestle with them at just strictly wrestling. No punching, no striking. We're talking wrestling. Okay, like let's touch hands, get in our wrestling stance, and you are not taking me down. I've we've had the, I've had these conversations with him and Islam, and uh, they will literally give you a single leg because they know that they can bounce on their foot longer than you can try to take them down. And the way they have wrist control, the way they they cover the hips, the way they hit their wizards, the way that they are able to kind of like even break your balance and foot sweep you while you think you're the one being offensive, they're just fucking with you. And it really comes down to that. It's like, you think they, you think you have a single leg. Well, they're just setting you up for a hip toss when you go to run into them and they hit you to a flare. They know what they're doing. There's a difference. It's not even that the fact that they are like, when you're talking folk style wrestling, which is what a lot of these guys in the UFC are using that type of wrestling versus that Sambo slash, you know, Olympic caliber Russian wrestling. Style. It's completely different wrestling. And the Sambo style wrestling has foot sweeps, has hip toss, has mixture of judo mixed in with, with regular wrestling. They'll do stuff that you don't, you don't normally see. Go and look at the video of Chase uh, Saldat, Saldatna, Saldat, anyways, from Gilroy, from Gilroy High School. Islam hits him with this fucking, I don't even know what it is. He grabs a wrist <laughs> control. He sweeps him down, almost like a little, a little leg sweep. He whips him around. Yeah, he whips him around right to his back. These are things that you don't see from from guys, you know, that unless you're wrestling on the Olympic tour, 
like, you know, and you're, you're out there wrestling internationally against other guys, you pick up these type of things. DC, like, it, it's crazy to see these guys, what they do. So when people were talking about Khabib, like, maybe not having to get a takedown, maybe he won't get a takedown or two, but he will eventually get one. And when he does, Khabib, when he, if Justin doesn't get up, he will be a different fighter by the time he gets back to his feet. There won't be as much pop in his punch. There won't be as much, there won't be as much speed and there won't be as much power on it. All of those things together will make it a different fight. And every takedown he gets moving forward will make it harder and harder for Justin to win the fight. I can't, I'm not knocking Justin. I'm just telling you guys God from my perspective. Phenomenal. I'm telling you from my perspective what what you guys should expect to see. Does he have a puncher's chance? Yes. Does almost every every fighter has a puncher's chance? Does he have more no of a puncher's punchers. chance? Yes, because he's got some fucking dogs in his hands. You know, he's got big power and he just walks people down. He did fight a really smart fight against Tony Ferguson. And if he fights that style of fight, I give him more of a chance. But do I think he wins? Absolutely not. And I don't think you're going to see anything different from Khabib than what he normally does. And just like you saw with everybody else he's ever fought, He's going to dominate from beginning to end the whole fight. I can't put it any Boom. better. I can't put it any better. Yeah. All right. What do you got? All right. Last one for this show I've got is from Eric Ochoa. Uh, he asks, my question is about judging. Can you be an effective slash worthy ref or judge without ever fighting? <laughs> they usually make the better ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's, here's the point. You know, when you, Everyone gets into this whole thing. Oh, you need to make X fighters, uh, judges, referees. That's what's going to change the sport. If they took X fighters right now, they took Josh Thompson, they take, you know, Cain Velasquez, and they take Daniel Cormier, and they put them as judges on a fight, you're going to see some horrible scores, horrible uh, decisions because of the fact that they all have a a predetermined outlook of what they like as a fighter, what they like to see, what they think is effective. And sometimes they're going to give more credit to what the style they like to see than what is actually occurring in the fight. Sometimes they'll actually, it'll actually work against them. DC will hit a single leg takedown a certain way, or, or he'll hit a high crotch and the fighter will do either a single leg takedown or a high crotch, but it's not done properly according to DC. And DC goes, that was crap. Okay. But it worked. It got the guy to the ground, but DC is going to look at it. Ah, he didn't do that right. And not give it credit. So there's, there's a lot of problems that you see coming with fighters. And I can only tell you this because I have worked with those fighters in making them referees and making them judges and getting them past some of these and it's not a prejudice it's just they did this this way for out throughout their career and it worked for them and they like it a certain way and they don't like it another way and so do you have to you know it, I, I hear this all the time and peter quilly put something out about if you ha if you're with a coach that has never actually fought you know find a new coach i, I can name a lot of coaches that are yeah. unbelievable as coaches that have never fought. That's just, it's a dumb statement as far as it doesn't work. I understand what he means, but it doesn't work in the context of the way he's saying it. So when you sit there and you say, do judges need to have fought? 
or do referees need to have fought? No, they need to train. They need to, they need to be part of the sport. If they're not part of the sport, I think that becomes the problem because if you're not part of the sport, you can't evolve with the sport. So training is the key. Whether you compete is not so much the, the key to it. It's the training and the knowledge that comes with all of what you're learning as you are going to jujitsu class or going to wrestling or going to judo or going to your striking class and learning what's effective in a fight, how you set people up, what, you know, what are the, what are the traps you set in the standup? What is the submissions that you can do from this point? What's the escapes? What should the person be doing? Those are the things that the judges need to know because that's, what's going to help them in understanding who's the person that's actually running this fight. And sometimes it's hard to tell. And sometimes it's just little fractions. We, we, we're pretty hard on, on our MMA judges. For the most part, they're fantastic at what they do. We, so many times, we go into a fight and we want one fighter to win. And that fighter doesn't win by this much. And we say they got robbed. They didn't get robbed. A lot of times when you're watching that fighter and you want that fighter to win, you're giving them extra credit for what they do and you're not giving enough credit for what their opponent is doing. So the, the, the truth of the matter is you need to be an active participant in the sport. You don't need to be an active or prior competitor. Yeah. This is one thing that you and I over the, you know, two years we've been working together. And then what, over the last year we've been doing this podcast together, we traveled so much together. We sit down and we have drinks and we're sit down and we have breakfast and lunch. We talk just fights and we talk, but I pick your brain the most about these type of things, the rules for MMA, as well as how you should be scoring and judging these rounds, because these are things that as a fighter, you think because you're walking someone down that you're winning the round, but in reality, you're not. But I can give you an example is the Jose Aldo and uh, Marlon Moraes fight. I thought yep. Jose won, but then when you and I broke it down, you said, no, uh, Moraes won because he, even though he was running in the third round, was on his bicycle, he was actually landing the cleaner shots and doing the more damage. But in my perspective, I, I saw Jose running after him, trying to get him to fight and Moraes wasn't fighting. He was sticking and moving, sticking and moving. And I got, I granted, I thought it was a close fight, but I gave it to was Jose. Close. It was a close fight. I gave it to Jose. You gave it to Marais. But then when I go back and watch the fight, I'm like, yeah, he's right. Jose was coming at him with relentless pressure, but wasn't landing anything. That doesn't, that doesn't constitute, constitute enough to give him the round just because you're running after someone, but you're running into their fist. That doesn't yep. mean that doesn't mean that you won the round. So um, there's different ways and different, like for me, I looked at it one way, you looked at it the other, you looked at it strictly like you, when people talk about, oh, he's biased, he's this. No, no, there's, you've got to be no bias whatsoever. And fighters tend, generally have to have a, they have a, we do have a tendency to say, yeah, but I was the one pushing the pace. I was the one getting after him. I, he was running from me. He was scared of me. He was this and that, you know, and that's not, that's not how the fights are won. The fights are won by the criteria and the criteria is for the long it's basically you have to be doing the most of damage most amount of damage and that is what the number one scoring criteria is not because you put pressure not because you you got a takedown and didn't do shit with it those are not scoring criteria so when i see we, those we need to do a whole show on what the judging criteria actually is so our fans actually understand what the fighter needs to do to win the fight because one of, one of the things that, and, and I love John Anik, and he, 
he tries <laughs> when they when they because the UFC puts up their thing, you know, there's fights are scored by, and you'll hear Annex say, you know, effective striking and grappling followed by is the way he'll put it, followed by aggress- aggressiveness and octagon control. And the reason he's saying it that way is if you as the judge have a fight that we'll say is 70% striking and 30% grappling, you're going to give more credence to the striking because it took place more. If you had a fight that was 70% grappling and 30% striking, you're going to give more credence to the grappling. It took place more. But if you say in that striking or in that grappling category, I can tell you who won this fight. I don't worry about aggressiveness. That is not part of my equation. And I do not think anything about ring, cage, octagon, control. It has nothing to do with it. I don't even go to it. I only go to those things when I say the striking is even. The grappling was even. Now I go to, okay, which fighter was aggressive? So if Marlon Marais and Jose Aldo landed perfectly the same because there wasn't really any grappling, but their striking was completely the same. Then I went to aggressiveness. Then Jose Aldo would have won the fight. Yeah, He would have ended up winning that round. But we'll say that the aggressiveness was the same. Then we'll go to cage control or octagon control, and Jose Aldo would have won it because he was controlling the cage better than Marlon Marais. But once you can say that Marlon Marais landed the cleaner, more effective strikes in this round, you don't go to aggressiveness and you don't go to cage control. Well, you started off this little uh, tidbit that you just said that we should have a show strictly just a show for our fans. We no, should. no, we should have a show strictly for the fucking fighters <laughs> because I got to this. The, it's the truth. I, I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat, John. Like when you and I started talking, having these conversations, I was like, man. There's so much shit about this sport I spent 20 something years doing. I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Man. You know, and yeah, it's not it's just tough. me. I know it's a lot of other fighters as well. But sure. You, these fighters think that they're going to know, like, oh, I'm going to make a good ref. I'm going to make a good judge. No, 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 no. There's, you know, even up to this, uh, you know, sometimes now I'm getting better because I know the way you judge oh, things. Oh, you're getting way better, yeah, yeah. dude. I've gotten a couple over you're you. Thank you. Thank you very now. much. Thank you, you very much. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to sign up. If I lose my analyst job, I'll be right there at your <laughs> at your refereeing camp, your judging referee camp, so officials camp. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've learned a lot just from having these conversations, sitting down and figuring out because the more I know, I, the more I can speak on when we're, when we're working together. So it's been it's been good. Very eye opening. All right, my man. Well, let's uh let's wrap this up. Good. Dave looks like he's falling asleep. He's got his little hoodie on because I think uh he's knocking out. No, he's, he's pulling it down so he can yeah, see so his he eyes. can hide his eyes. Yeah. All right, guys. Wait, well, hey, go to our YouTube channel. Hit the thumbs up there. Share our videos. Thank you. We want to thank you guys all for uh, buying T-shirts. Um, our promo code is not available anymore, but we will try and get another one up for no you guys hopefully soon. Um, but also prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Go there, pick up another shirt uh, if you guys can. There's plenty of other shirts out there. I want to try and add the black and white logoed one too, maybe on a white shirt or a black shirt. Uh, But I really like that. It's basically the same logo shirt we have, but without the red and the blue, it's just black and white. And I, I, yeah, I'd like to have that one as well. So um, you guys, thank you guys so much. Hit our audio platforms as well. Um, You have iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all of those. Hit the audio platforms, trying to get our numbers up there. And uh, everyone, you guys are doing a wonderful job. We truly appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Big John. Hope you enjoyed. Take care, guys. See you later.